Rule Galloway, Spinners of Yarns podcast with Arsenal, <coughs> Riders of the Night, legend, Monkey. How are you? I'm good. Nice to see you again. Right, wise. Yeah. So, uh, we'll start at the beginning. Where Always were you born? Because we were talking about that earlier. We know? was, yeah. I was uh, actually born on the um, Thames Delta, the other side of the, t- right down the end, south end. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't born in London, I was born right on the water there, down in, in Essex, so I'm an Essex boy, uh, and he lived there, I don't even remember it, so I lived there till I was about a year old, and uh, so I have no recollection of it whatsoever, I haven't been there for a long while, but I've been threatening to take my grandson down there this summer, yeah. go and visit the old spots where we used to live, and if they're still there, because the hospital's gone. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, quite a famous place in music echelons. But uh, yeah, and sort of came bounced back later on in life, and uh, did sort of spend a lot of time down there at one stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South End is uh, yeah a lot of musical <coughs> history down there. So um, where did you move next then? We moved. We ended up going all over the place. I never between being. Born and up to about 25, 26. I don't think we ever stayed in the same place for more than three years. So we was always on the hop for one reason or another. And uh, ended up living, we went from there, we moved to Denmark. I lived in Denmark for a couple of years when okay. I was little. And uh, that's on account of my mother being Danish. She, uh, she actually grew up in, in uh, Nazi-occupied Denmark during obviously the late 30s yeah, yeah. up to the mid 40s yeah and um, she moved to England later on I uh, was working in London down at Liverpool Street and bumped into my father who was uh, born in Scotland he's from Aberdeen okay. and moved to London to this area here we're actually sitting here in Highbury at the moment at about three or four years old with the family and uh, Ended up, he was working at Liverpool Street on the trains down there, and they met down there, moved out to South End, and bang, he, he, he turned, I turned up. Yeah, went to Denmark, came back from there, and uh, <laughs> we went to a place called Haverhill in Suffolk. Yeah, yeah. Which is like a London overspill town, I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. Do, you've yeah. heard of Haverhill? I've, I've yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, that surprised me. But that was. Uh, yeah, like I say, London Overspill Town. It was a little place out in the sticks that previously my uncles and cousins had moved up to. They'd moved out of London up there. And uh, so we kind of followed them. Uh, went there. Ended up on a council estate. And uh, it was it was fun. It was a great town to grow up in. Like, so it was there from up until about 1971, 72, till we moved away from there. Well, he lived in a few houses there, but that was a fantastic place. It was like out in the sticks. There was fields. There was countryside. Yeah, yeah. There was. It was a bit of a shock for the locals, yeah. of being invaded by all these like mad Londoners. And uh, but it brought a lot of uh, industry to the town as well, because all the companies that moved up there from London, they, uh, they 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 took the firms up there and opened up a big industrial site up there, which is still there to this day. Uh, I don't know how thriving it is anymore, but. Um, but it was a it, it was a good community up there. It was it was all 
just all working class council estates dotted around here and there. But the communities were good. Get the phone tone. <laughs> there was, um, yeah, it was just good fun. There was nothing going on there. So you had to, you had to invent your own entertainment. And we did. And uh, a lot of it ended up being musical as well. You know, a lot of little bands sprung up, especially when the punk thing come along yeah. later on. I moved between there, I moved away. I moved to, oh God, where else did I live? I lived up near Peterborough for a while. And then from there to round near Cambridge, which was also good. Cambridge was a nice, nice place to live. We had a pub. We'd gone into the pub game by then. Okay. Yeah, me, me, uh, <laughs> me old man got in the pub game, which was a bit like a kid in a sweet shop. Uh, <laughs> But it was great for us. The, the kids, like me and my sister, used to love it. Like especially, it was difficult moving around all the time, going yeah. to different schools because yeah, we'd yeah. be in a school for a couple of years. You'd yeah. be shunted off somewhere else, back yeah. into another school. Got to start again, make new friends. Um, you'd be doing your lessons at one school. You'd go to another school. They'd expect you to have learnt this. Didn't learn that, but you'd done other stuff that they hadn't done. Education was a bit mixed up as well. You know, didn't do, didn't do great educational wise, uh, academic wise, I should say. But uh, it was a, it was a good, good, good way to discover the world and life and friends and uh, you know broaden your horizons and meet lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> so when did you kind of like to first discover music then? Before the punk thing, I oh god, yeah, yeah, I was, I was into music. I think I've always been into music. Music's in you. It's like a sixth sense to me. I think, I think it's, it's some sort of kind of a sixth sense. And my first recollections were listening to it on the radio in the house as a kid, but about you know four, or five years old. Beatles on the radio, Yellow Submarine, and uh, and. Bernard Cribbins records and, and you know Tommy Cooper don't jump off the roof dad uh, you know Peter Sellers stuff and all that all those the stuff yeah. they used to play on Saturday mornings there was like kids shows on the radio yeah. radio two and, and I used to love listening to all that stuff and it was just it was, music was it was like we, there was no entertainment there was just no telly during the day no. in them days no. like we didn't do TV no. you played football out in the yeah, streets yeah. or you yeah. played with your mates out in the street yeah yeah uh, Entertainment wise, music on the radio was, was big and everybody always had their radio on, you know, and you used to pick up on things like that, you know. And I remember the Beatles stuff, and, and my mum still tells me, oh, I remember you used to sing that Beatles song, Yellow Bumbarine. <laughs> but it, it, music from then was always in me, yeah, and it was like I just loved it, yeah. It's a sixth sense. You got it. You you can feel it. Yeah. You know, it's electricity. Yeah. In you. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I've always had that. It just, but it just over the years, it got brought out in different ways. Listening to different uh, styles, different genres, different things. Um, what really set me off big time. I mean, well, was glam when when we got into glam, right. which yeah, was yeah. a little bit later on. Seventy-three, seventy-four. Before 72, 72. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was 72. We moved into the pub and we never had a record player, so I never had a record player for until I was about 12 or something because we lived in pubs and we had a jukebox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, we didn't have a record player, but we were yeah. the only kids in town with a jukebox, you know what I mean? <laughs> so we used to be real well popular. And um, 
you'd get all the, the, the local rep from the fruit machine jukebox companies coming in, filling them up every every month or two. They put the new stuff in and the old stuff. Uh, take that away with them. But when the pub was closed, the old man used to there was a switch around the back where you didn't have to put any money in. So yeah. we just go and play the jukebox, have the run of the pub. When we was, uh, when it was closed, it was fantastic little life for for, for youngsters. Uh, and that was the, somebody music there. I remember, I can remember songs that I haven't heard, you know, for the last 40, 50 years. I probably recall the, the words for all those tunes now if you put them on, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it just becomes so instilled in you. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know what it is, whether it was the beat, whether it was the lyrics, whether it was just the vibe of things, you know. And if you hear some of them songs now, they just take you right back there because it's still yeah. in you. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it never leaves you, you know. Uh, later on, a big one was um, that really kicked me off was Little Richard. I was staying with a couple. They were looking after me for a little while, and uh, the woman had uh, a fantastic stereo. And I was going through these records, and there was this album by it was called Little Richard, his greatest or something. It was called I can't remember now. I've, I bought, ended up buying the album. I've still got it to this day. But I went there and I was staying at this place for the whole weekend and I put this little Richard album on and it was the most fantastic thing I'd ever heard, especially on this big massive stereo thing. And it yeah, just yeah. blew me away. It went right through into my bones, through my veins, everywhere. And I just hammered this album to death for, for, for days. Yeah. I just couldn't stop playing it. And, and, and by the end of that weekend, I knew every, every riff, every, every little drum, diddle, uh, uh, every piano run, it was all in there and, yeah. uh, and, I, and I still remember all of that now, you know, and I bought the album and it's still in my collection and still gets played, you know, it's powerful stuff, yeah, yeah so Little Richard was my first real rock and roll hero after uh, after the Sweet and Slade and, and Alice Cooper and uh, Gary Glitter, dare I say. Some fantastic records, though. Yeah, of course, at the time. Yeah, Who knew? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The glitter band and all that. That was that was great stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. Tremendous. And from there, things led on and developed. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, are you back? Yeah, we back. Yeah, we just kicked the recording. The uh, so. It's fair to say, when did you first become aware of that? 76 or 77, I suppose. It would have been uh, right at the beginning. I was aware of it, definitely aware of it. At the time, I was living over in Cambridge, and uh, I used to spend a lot of time in a guy's record shop. It was called, it was, remember those oldies? Well, it used to be in this market. There was, was a market there called the Marcade, and there was a record store there. And the guy who ran it was a guy called Lee Wood. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was, uh, he ran Raw Records. Now Raw Records, The Unwanted, and The Killjoys, Roland's first band. And, I just used to go religiously every Saturday. <laughs> Is it too loud? <laughs> religiously every Saturday, I used to go to this guy's stall and um, just go through the records, go through the records like a kid in a sweet shop. Hardly had any money, so yeah. he's like, I was looking for the cheap. I used to get singles for like 10, 15p, you know, and a lot of them used to have these American impulses. And I was, uh, this is when I was really into the rock and roll stuff. I was picking up like. 
records on the specialty label like uh, for, for like 20p or something like that and anything that looked good that looked interesting I was not only buying but but I was listening to him I was hearing him he was turning me up to stuff all the time but there was just so much variety there you know but I was I was steadfast rock and roll there was a lot of uh, ska getting played a lot of I can remember uh, Desmond Decker doing a doing an appearance there in the shop one day as well he came and he was doing a bit of rapping to along to his record they was playing a disc in there that was then uh, there was a lot a lot of skinheads there then that would have been say early 70s skins uh, yeah yeah like yeah. the proper yeah proper uh, the ska stuff there was there was there was a lot of that he sold yeah. But from there, I was listening to the rock and roll stuff, and then later on, the, that place in the market got burnt down, unfortunately. But he ended up opening a shop on the other side of the city called Remember Those Oldies, which he used to. Um, he started getting all these stiff uh, uh, Chiswick records, all the early like Count Count Bishops, the Bishops' yeah, yeah. Speedball album uh, uh, EP. I can remember that coming in. And he played that to death in the shop, and that was that was that was great, you know. The uh, feel goods, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say a lot, a lot of the stiff stuff. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, all the, all the Chris Lowe, David. They started becoming a bit of a crossover between the punk and the rock and roll stuff that yeah. I was into. It was like, you know, and then there was Eddie and the Hot Rods, and it was like, Eddie and the Hot Rods are they? What are they? Rock and roll? Are they punk? Are they what? What are they? You know. You know, and then you even had the Pistols doing like "Come On Everybody" and something else, and uh, yeah. and the Clash doing uh, doing brand new Cadillac and stuff. You know, yeah. which which I'd bought a couple of years before they they brought it out yeah. by by uh, Vince Taylor on, yeah. on the on the Chiswick label. Yeah. And it was like I was getting a bit muddled here because I'm I'm a rocker, <laughs> like you know, I'm not I ain't, I ain't a punk, but but I I like this stuff as well. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But I was just too, too no no I can't. But in the end, you just sort of, you just go with the flow, like, you know? Yeah. And ended up picking up um, the Buzzcocks. When I heard the Buzzcocks, Spiral Scratch, that was another sort of uh, eureka moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. that was that was otherworldly to me, like, you know, yeah. that sounded, and it yeah. still does sound otherworldly. Yeah. You know, yeah. with, with, uh, with, with the, the vocals, the voters' vocals on it. And, you know, and a, and a, and a, the one string guitar solo, the one, the one note guitar solo, yeah. which is still fantastic, one of the best solos ever on one one note. You know, that was great. But that was so, the, the whole beauty of punk one, it, that anybody could do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it, it took away the, the Rick Wakeman, Definitely. kind of like prog, go with kill of everything, musicianship, you know, it meant Joe Blog from the street could get up and play and definitely you know, make yeah. a noise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it influenced it influenced all these local kids, you know, to start bands, to start yeah. punk bands. Yeah. And which is which is what happened round our way. Uh, they had a couple of local bands. There was one called the Wind Ups, and there was another one that was originally called the Antics. And we <laughs> we used to go and watch them down the down the local youth club. That was like that was that was the first punk gig I ever went to was the Antics down Haverhill Youth Club. Yes, yeah. and they were great. I mean, but they, we was all mates as well, which yeah. was good, you know. But yeah. it was like, wow, we're doing this, or you're doing this. Like I wasn't nothing to do with the band, but yeah. it was like you're doing this, and this is like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This can be done, like you know, yeah. as you were saying, you don't need to be uh, Rick Wakeman. You don't need, <laughs> you don't need a big lorry with your with your with no. your name sprayed on the roof. Uh, it was yeah, it was an, it was eye opening, and it was 
just he was out there in the world like come on let's go and do something and a lot of people did and, yeah. and, and the antics turned out into 13th chime was, I don't know if you'd heard of 13th chime they were sort of proto-goth yeah. put out a few uh, independent like self label yeah. it was on LEJ records I think they put them out but they were self-financed totally independent punk rock uh, it's the way you way you did it as yeah. well, you know. Yeah, There's yeah. no 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 majors involved here. Sold a lot, uh, and them records are now going for a good few bob each, yeah, like yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and still trying to do that today. Trying kind of keep to the punk ethos. Yeah, but you you then you still up in Haverhill when. When did you move to London then? Oh, when did move, uh, in me in me teens. In my late teens, I moved back down, got out of there, and moved uh, into the East End, back into um, East Ham. So I was like, right. I actually ended up spending most of my life in East Ham, Canning Town, yeah. around there, Custom House, which was uh, something totally different again, but also big musical areas, like, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot of great bands come from around there, you yeah. know? A lot of great acts, even if you're going back, you go back to Vera Lynn, like, you know? <laughs> she went to the local school. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Small faces. Uh, the rejects yeah. around there. Uh, Iron Maiden. God? Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up at the Ruskins there. Yeah. Used to go up the Ruskins quite a lot. It's big, the, big, big metal pub. Yeah, yeah, Ruskins. I think it's closed down now, unfortunately. Okay. Another one gone. Another, another yeah. pub lost. But the Ruskins was a was a great place. Yeah, done some DJing up there as well. Actually, <laughs> that was um, that was that was. In the bridge house as well. Bridge House gone, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bridge House was another famous place. In fact, just about every venue's gone from round there now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I can't think of anything that's left round there now. Which is saying, but and a lot of the local pubs. I mean, our local was the Cock in the High Street. They had a stage out the back. A lot of the pubs had big rooms yeah. out the back with stages. Yeah. And there was local little bands sprouting up. Most of them for fun. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, they yeah. do covers. Some of them would come up with their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, it was our local band, the Diabetic Hedgehogs, I think that was called. <laughs> yeah. But they used to get all the locals was down there. Yeah. And, and it was a good night. It was always a good night. You know, slowly yeah. the pubs died off, or the stages died off. Everything, you know, culture just folded around there. Yeah. Everything's um, changes, but uh, big time. Back then, so when when was that? You moved back to London, seventy nine, eighty. No, early eighties. Like, yeah. Early right, early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but that was good as well uh, at the time. London was London was kind kind of rocking still. Like there was a lot of lot of scenes going on. Uh, you had the pump thing going on still. You know the the later end of it, and electronic stuff was big then. Like yeah, you know, yeah. we was getting into the yeah. uh, all the electronic stuff. Yeah. Not from, say the Euromantics or whatever. Like you know, but there was a big electronic scene, and that was that was going in pubs. I mean, even the Bridge House, like you know. Yeah. There was yeah, there yeah. was a lot going on there electronic wise. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mod revival, the ska revival. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which was, came back. Yeah, yeah. It was it was difficult to, uh, you know, I never liked to pigeonhole myself as being this, that, or the other, because I, I could enjoy, like you say, the mod revival. I used to love going to see the Chords. You know, Secret Affair. Even they weren't they weren't that hip to go and see, but they were a fantastic band, like yeah. you know, and still yeah. are. Yeah, and still are. They yeah. were great. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of bands like that, you know. 
uh, and the scar, obviously the madness, your specials. Yeah. It was just a great time to be alive, wasn't it? Eh? Yeah. 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 Music wise, we had the best of it, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just so much going on, uh, uh, and just strange bands. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time in the marquee in them days. Okay. And down there was a member Water down Street. there. Yeah, the old Water Street yeah. one, and you could go down there, just have a wander past with just nothing else going on. Let's just pop in for a beer, see what's happening. You know, most a lot of nights you wouldn't even have to pay to get in if you was a member. So yeah, you're going there, and you'd see some great bands like you know you'd never heard of. You know, I discovered bands like uh, the Cardiacs. Yeah. I don't even remember the Cardiacs. They were they were totally out there. Oddballs, great, absolutely great stuff. And you, you know, you see bands like like Blur and bands like that. They, they must have seen the Cardiacs in the day, or they must have listened to their records or yeah. something like. You know, you can see where they've nicked all this. Uh, the, 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 a lot of the elements of their their stuff. Uh, never, never, never really made it big or anything, but but a tremendous band. Uh, there was a lot of bands like that yeah. that, that never made it. Like Boys Wonder and things like that used to play down there, and yeah. you know, and a lot of the mod revival bands that were really good but never got nowhere. They got hooked in with the mod label, yeah. and it wasn't it wasn't a good look, was it, for a no. while? No. You know, once once it, the initial explosion was yeah. over, yeah. it wasn't a good thing to get lumbered with. Which is a shame for a lot of these bands, but pay your money, you take your chances, don't you? Yeah, but London, London was also because I started coming to London in '82, yeah, and it, it was very territorial, mm. you know, kind of like it's kind of like South East London or you know, pockets <laughs> of South East London. If you were from, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Catford, you wouldn't mix with Lewisham, yeah. you know, and vice versa, you know. Well, you get your north, south, east, and west, you know. Yeah. And never the twain shall meet. <laughs> but it's, I think it's, it's still like that, I suppose. But it's even worse now. Postcode wars, isn't it? Yeah. If you even live in the wrong street these days. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was to an extent then as well. Uh, just going out was dodgy in them days like you know wherever you went you, you you went to a football match you was on offer you went to a gig you went to a gig in the late 70s early 80s when didn't it kick off yeah. like you know yeah, yeah. it was it was a guaranteed tear up for one re- for whatever yeah. reason like you know yeah. usually no reason whatsoever yeah. total total like stupidity yeah yeah <laughs> but 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 it happened uh it was a bit i don't know it's just the way you grew up wasn't it i suppose it was like that, that's the way things was uh, and later on, till I don't know, things changed. The dance it gets quoted a lot with the dance yeah. uh, movement and everything, and, and the different sort of uh, uh, chemistry going on, shall I say? Uh, that, that, that things changed. But I, I was never really. I love dance music. I love soul music. I love reggae. I love anything. Anything that makes me move yeah, yeah. or moves me. You know, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm into. People say, yeah. so, you know, they ask me, Man, what's, what, what, so what sort of music do you like? I said, I just like music that, that makes me move or moves me, and that's it. You know, it could be anything. But the, the dance scene in itself wasn't my cup of tea. Like, yeah. You know, I was, I was, as I said before, I'm a rocker, and I'm still, a, I'll always be a rocker, be it a punk rocker or a rock and roller or whatever. Yeah. You know, I love me, I love me, you know, yeah, Happy Mondays and stuff like that. I'd go and watch them all night long, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but as far as sitting in a club with a, a bloke playing his laptop and everybody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when no. you, you support Arsenal, I, I do because I of do. your dad, uh, because your dad grew up opposite Highbury. He did, yeah. Well, the whole it's the whole family, really, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 
aunts and uncles and uh, yeah, yeah, I've told the story before, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't told you that, the, that our great, was it my great uncle was at the um, first ever match at Highbury. You know, people going about being at the first ever match at the new ground. Yeah. Well, it was the first ever match at Ivory, which was 19, oh, whatever it was, I can't remember now, it's offhand. Uh, he was working for the, the, the company that printed the programs, which was an old one-sheet program. Yeah, yeah. And he was the delivery boy that day on Saturday, so he had to go down to uh, deliver the sheets down at the ground. So I think there's a sheets for Mr. So-and-so, and he's like, all right, give them here, son, I'll take them in. He said, no, no, I've been told I've got to give them to this bloke here, like, you know, so, all right, so they let him in and handed over the sheets and thought, well, I'm in now, aren't I, so I might as well just stay here. So he was the first person that ever jibbed into the Arsenal over here as well. That was the great uncle. And I think we're into like the sixth generation of Arsenal supporters now okay. in our family down there. So, uh, yeah, lots but of ups still, and downs. But you still had to make that decision to start supporting, All right. supporting Arsenal rather than... Oh, Cambridge it was, or, yeah, yeah, no, no, West that Ham. was, no, Arsenal's in the blood. You, yeah. you don't get a choice. Yeah. Not in our family, no, that's it. It's, uh, to be all and end all, yeah, and it goes deep, and it yeah. goes deep, yeah. When was know. the first game there? Your first game? That was in the mid mid seventies, yeah, and that would have been against your lot, Middlesbrough. Mm. Yeah, yeah, he just come up in the second division. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was that was one of those sort of wow moments as well, like you know, I saw I cast himself as a late starter really as well, you know. Yeah. But because uh, the old man, never, he's, he did take us to a few games. He wasn't very good at taking us over the Arsenal. My uncle took us. He used to take us a lot when we was kids. And uh, yeah, that was definitely a wow moment. And it was like you knew where you belonged. Yeah. You know, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but before that, I was Arsenal mad. Before that, yeah. the whole like the whole house was decked out with Arsenal stuff. It was well, Arsenal, Arsenal this, Arsenal that. It was different back then. One, you, you kind of like it was very much a working class sport. And yes. you know, yeah. you kind of like you could connect with the players. Yeah. But you could also, as you said, jib into the the ground or you mm. get a squeeze. Yeah. This is what yeah. you get up north. And yeah. you know, it, uh, you know, your dad you get him for free. You know, so it, it, it was totally a different environment to go and watch. Yeah. And know, as you say, it was a working class thing, and it was affordable. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is a big difference with today. I mean, we still come over it today. I don't go in the ground anymore. I'll sit yeah, in the yeah. pub and watch it because I, I just. I just can't see the point of forking out like a grand and a half for a season ticket. Yeah. I can't justify that sort of money and the wages they're getting, you know. And it's like, it's, uh, no, no, we've lost the, we're losing the game a little bit. Well, we've lost the game you know, as, 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 as like working class um, football supporters, it's gone. But we still, we're junkies. We're, we're football junkies, you know. Oh, yeah. They've got us. They've got us. Like, you know, we're, we're still there. We, we you know, I despise Sky TV and all this stuff and yeah. having to pay for that. Yeah. But you've got to do it if you want to watch it, haven't you? Yeah. Like, you know, you're still going to watch your team. Pretty yeah. thick and thin, whatever happens. You ain't going to stop doing it. It's, yeah, yeah, they've got us. And uh, there till we drop, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> but you kind of like, Arsenal didn't have a, a Cockney rejects, did they, like West Ham had back then? We, well, we had the 4v2s over We had the 4v2s, yeah. Yeah, yeah which, was, uh, which was a scene in itself. And uh, and a good band it was as well. What a jolly good band. The old um, the disco paddy stuff going yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There was a, they had a groove to them as well, yeah. definitely. Uh, 
that was yeah yeah there's, <laughs> there's a good few stories of 4B2 stories to be had as well that's maybe that's for another day for another because <laughs> obviously Jock McDonald was involved with the 4B2s mm -hmm. and then the Bollock brothers I suppose after that yeah yeah, Jock's a, Jock's a very dear friend of mine, who I've worked with for a long time. Uh, ended up being around the world, done, we've been around the world together, toured here, there and everywhere. Uh, not so much in this country, but with the, with the Bollock brothers, we, yeah, we went everywhere, you know. It was, we couldn't get arrested, well, say couldn't get arrested, it's probably the only thing we could do, is get arrested here. <laughs> but, but, but as soon as, soon as, our feet left Blighty, it was like oh, sellouts everywhere, all over Europe, you know, the amount of times toured over there. And they're still doing it now, you know. He's still big in Germany, is he? Is he not? <laughs> he's, big, he's still big lots of places, yeah, yeah. But we was doing, you know, sellouts, Germany, France, yeah. Austria, Switzerland, yeah. the Netherlands, Belgium was massive, Belgium was a bit, uh, still is. They're, they're, they're playing tonight, they've got uh, two gigs this weekend over in Germany, two yeah. big gigs. Uh, and then we ended up going over to the States and there's another uh, load of stories there, yeah, we went, um, we toured around the States for a while and ended up staying there for a long time and um, kind of living out there for a while, was which that? was fantastic, that was great, that was just absolute chaos, um, great fun. Where did you end up? Uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We was there. These was the big hair days over in Hollywood. Yeah, we was uh, we was hanging around down at the Rainbow Bar and Grill, and before Lemmy got there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and yeah, uh, Santa Barbara. We was up there for a while, and Laguna Beach, which was a beautiful place. It was it was a beautiful country, crazy people. Uh, yeah, and, and Hollywood's not. Not what we thought it was. <laughs> so, you know, when you get there, you think it's yeah, big lights, big stars, big this, big that. It's like it's big problems as well, like you know. It's, it's yeah, it's Skid Row there as well, like you know. And it's easy to end up there. You yeah. see a lot of people do. So you've got to be on your ball. You've got to go on your guard and on the ball over there. And uh, <laughs> I like to think we've done all right out there. Yeah, <laughs> we we uh, we did. Ended up having a number one record and. Uh, in, in, what, in the in uh, in California on K Rock, okay. you know K Rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it was number one on K Rock for the yeah. whole year. So this was, this was a bizarre thing. I mean, by trade, I'm a bricklayer. Okay. And uh, I was in the, been down the pub one Friday after work, had a couple of beers, walking down the road. All of a sudden, the cars pulled up. Big, big, big monk, monk, monk. Come on, go get your bag. What do you mean, get your bag? We're going to America. You're on a bag talk going to America. Goes, jump in the car and we'll tell you like so jump in the car back round to the uh, where I was uh, getting round my mates I didn't even have nowhere to live in them days uh, uh, get your passport put some a couple of pairs of trolleys and a few pairs of socks in a, in a carrier bag and uh, jump in the car next day we're at Heathrow on a plane going to um, LAX and this was bizarre we didn't realise someone had um, licensed the record Harley David son of a bitch yeah, yeah. from uh, Play It Again Sam uh, record label which had done it on in um, no, Belgium I think there was I think there was from Brussels yeah, yeah. Play It Again yeah. Sam's out of Brussels but an American company had um, licensed it 
we put it out over there and it had gone mad it was, it was it had gone mental we got off the plane at the other side cut a long story short there's a big limo there waiting for us with a bar in and the tvs and, and yeah yeah so we've jumped in there and it's lost this is just like freaking us out like you know. I was the day before I was, I was on the trail yeah and um and they've turned the radio on and someone else has turned the radio on yeah. <laughs> turned the radio on and all yeah. of a sudden it's yeah the Bullock brothers are landed at LAX and uh, now in the limo they're coming they're coming into Hollywood now and we'll be with you right we'll be right back with you when they get in the studio like you know and it's like okay, this is like just being in a in a, in a movie you know <laughs> bizarre so we just we just ripped the arse out of it basically yeah, yeah. over there for, for, for as long as we could, you know. Yeah. Until we had to get out of town in the end. You got to get on that stage out of town, boys. We had everybody after us after about three or four months, you know. <laughs> yeah, the old Bill, the uh, the mob, every. <laughs> we totally ripped the arse out, but it was like one of the best experiences of my life. It, yeah. was, it was fantastic. Yeah, you know, partying with all the all the big shots and. Uh, and, and we we were holding the parties, you know. Yeah. So you know, we was getting everybody turning up. It was people. I don't know. Don't tell many people that normally because most people don't believe you. <laughs> Especially when you get back after that, you get back on the building site. Where you been for the last four months? Like, you, know, uh, you ain't going to believe this, Gov. But you know. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's true story, folks. True story. And then, kind of like what I suppose what happened to the Bolt Brothers after that? Just carried on rolling. Just carried on rocking, carried on rolling. Still doing it. Still doing it. Yeah. Uh, talks of possibly going back to the States again for round two. Uh, who knows? But lots going on, yeah, yeah. Uh, new record deal in the offing. Um, Sky's the limit. Always has been. Anything, yeah, yeah. Never a dull moment, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. But uh, yeah, so it's watch this space as far as the, the, the Bullet Brothers are going. Yeah, yeah. But in the end, I had to. Uh, I stepped back from that personally after, a little, just a bit after him. Reckon he was. He was not good. For, not good for your health. That life. If yeah, you've yeah. Got a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It does catch up with you sometimes, and uh, yeah, I needed to get a roof over my head, you know, and uh, my soles on my shoes. Was John Lydon in the back, round the back then? No, the not that no. time. Not that, well, he was, he was over in the States. He told, yeah. um, we bumped into um, Sean Penn one night, he came to one of our parties. Well, we met him in the in Londrian Hotel, yeah, in the bar there one evening. And we was having a party there that night, and uh, he walked into the uh, bar with his brother Chris and, and the minor Chris, who I think he's died now, funny. But um, started rapping with him. He said, oh, just. said uh, "Yeah, so who, who are you guys?" He says, "Oh, we're the Bullet Brothers." He goes, "Wow, I know you." He said, "John Lydon told me told me to stay away from you guys." <laughs> He told me to steer clear of you guys, like, you know. So you, you know you're doing something right, you know, when you when when you when your name's getting bandied about as a potential. But he, he he was going out somewhere with his brother. We said we'd having a party later. Oh, come back, come back to the party, like if, whenever you finish doing what you got to do. If we're not going to see him again like, later on, knock at the door, open the door. There's him with Chris and 
come in, come in. He turned up at the party and uh, I think he was a bit too wild for him in the end though. He stayed for a while but not too long. His party was getting a bit out of hand and uh, there's... Uh, turned out being one of the other reasons we had to leave that that haven of a country over there you know but yeah. it was uh, it was good fun while it lasted yeah yeah well, I, I suppose Arsenal would have been changing round about then as well with uh, was that George Graham's time yeah George was there then he you was, had a bit uh, of success you know good success well we won the um, what did we win we won the um, League Cup yeah. when he brought, first brought the League Cup back when we beat Liverpool but the year before that was one League Cup I've never seen that game to this day I was living in Hamburg at the time okay. another story yeah, I love yeah. Hamburg Hamburg is a yeah. fantastic city Basically. yeah yeah defo yeah. I was living I was actually living in a wardrobe just off of the Reaper barn yeah yeah a walk-in wardrobe in my mate's flat in a, just off the Reaper barn we was building studios he, he was Altonia, Altona Recording Studios. Okay. We built that over there. With a friend of mine, Boris, who was also the guitarist in the Boat Brothers at the time. Uh, and who's a loofer, a very good loofer, guitar builder. He's, he's building guitars for the Scorpions and uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash and people like that, you know, yeah, yeah. the unique ones for, for, for them. Uh, but yeah, oh, Hamburg's just crazy. Well, that was, yeah, it was over there, Arsenal were playing Luton. Okay. The, the famous the famous game against Luton apparently yeah. which I never saw I can remember sitting in my little wardrobe in my cupboard with a radio trying to get it on the BBC World Service or something couldn't get nothing like that ended up having to phone my mum at home got on the phone after the game if you had we get on mum we lost basically and I've still never seen that game and don't want to from, from what I've heard it was not one of our greatest moments um, so I never saw that, but Hamburg just brought it back to me there. That was that was a fantastic place. That was uh, the scene of one of the dodgiest gigs I ever went to as well, or ever was involved in. Uh, the Bollock Brothers were turning uh, a big riot, a massive okay. riot. Yeah. The, where was that then? That was in a park. It was a festival in one of the parks there. The big in, park. In you know where so the uh, Pauli. No, that's not where the festival was. That's where we used to live. But the festival was, um, you know, where the big tower is, the radio tower, the, the big, uh, I can't think, I can't remember what they call it. There's a beautiful park right next to it, and they've got these Chinese gardens, and there's a, a bit of an amphitheatre like that's there permanently, and they had this, this festival going on there, and we was headlining the festival there. Yeah. And it was an all-day thing. Uh, various bands, local bands, um, a bit of variety going on. There was this lady called um, Gertie Molson, her name was. She was about, I don't know, she must have been in her 80s. She was about during the war. She used to be popular, uh, sort of musical kind of German act. But she, she just had this massive hit with um, Walk on the Wild Side. It's a cover of Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Yeah. Have you heard it? I haven't. You should. Heard it. Everybody should hear this record. <laughs> Everybody needs to hear that. Like it's, a, it's a once in a lifetime thing but, but Gertie had this hit but I spent most of the afternoon talking to her she was fantastic she was a, like, just uh, an education in herself and she was there on the stage with a uh, big uh, grand piano playing this song and all these old other massive great crowd there went down a storm right so Gertie had gone off some of the local bands had come on played gone off by the time I don't know what time it was late in the evening the headline at like 9 o'clock or whatever it's all dark the lights are on uh, on we come the sound is shite the, 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 the uh, 
something wrong with the PA, I don't know, so do, do three or four numbers. And um, that's it, so, so no, let's just have a little break, let's get them sorted out the, the, the sound. Let's go off for a couple of minutes, get them to sort out the sound. Went off, uh, and all the local punks who we'd, we didn't know at the time, I don't know, you know, Harfenstrasse in them days, yeah, yeah. you know, where all the squats were. Yeah, yeah. The police and everybody, the local authorities were, were trying to get them all out, because it was like that was a massive squat down there by right on the docks. Yeah. There was a big campaign to get them out, there was a big campaign to stay in, like, you know, and they'd, they'd had the hump with uh, everything that was going on around the town at the time. So after we'd finished, they thought that was it, the show over, show over, like, so, right, they're gonna cause a riot here, like, and they they totally did cause a riot. They trashed everything. They, we thought it's good, they didn't think it was coming back on. They thought, no, this is, we thought it was like because of us. I don't know whether it was because of us or whether it was because, because, because of this thing with the Harfenstrasse, but, Oh, everything got trashed. The whole PA went up. Um, poor old Gertie's grand piano. There was a, a funeral pyre in front of the stage. Yeah. They, they, honestly, everything torched, torched. All the uh, all our equipment. I managed to save a couple of guitars, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it did get a little bit evil, like you know, there was people getting jiffied and all that. Remember the jiffy days and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was um, that was yeah, that was bad. Uh, the police turned up on mass. They got chased away. They got bottled, chased all over the park. There's massive police running away. The fire brigade turned up. They got chased away. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this fire's getting bigger and bigger. It's like the park benches are getting thrown on there, you know. Um, next, like the riot squad, the proper riot squad turned up with the full glass. Um, shields, batons, helmets, the whole lot. I actually got some great pictures of them that are circling around the <laughs> with the fire behind them and me on the stage behind. Them. Yeah. <laughs> it was, but it was. He made all the fr- national national newspapers front pages again, yeah. which uh, we had managed to do a few times. Um, it wasn't great for the band losing all the equipment, etc. But managed to sell a lot of records and number one the week after that over there. So it works. All, <laughs> As they say, all publicity is good publicity, yeah. you know. But that was, yeah, that was a bit scary. That was that was a proper riot, you know. And we spent the rest of the weekend going around trying to hunt down punks running around with, you know, with our equipment. <laughs> Managed to get a few bits back, but most of it got charred. Yeah, burnt to a crisp. Burnt to a crisp. Was that when, when, when I think one of the, the best TV games of the 80s, was when Arsenal won at Liverpool. Best, best yeah. game, best TV games ever. Yeah, that was just like, you know, it's yeah. a great game, as a neutral as to what. It, it was, you could, well, you could, it was, uh, they'd write books and make films about that, wouldn't they? And they did. Somebody did, made a lot of money out of it, but it was, uh, oh, that was just something else, yeah. That's proper storybook stuff. You couldn't write that stuff. Yeah. Uh, everybody's got a story about it. Everybody's got so where was you? You know, it's a where was you when JFK got shot? Where was you? You know, was you at Anfield? Was you at home? Was you down here? Where was you? Like, you know, uh, where, was, where, where were you? Me, <laughs> I was sitting around my mate's flat in, in Custom House watching it on the telly. Yeah. Funnily enough, we just got back that morning. I just got back from a three month tour of Europe, yeah. So, uh, ended up. I was, came back and thought, will I go up there? Will I just go up there and try and chance my arm up to Liverpool? I was absolutely shattered after getting back. All I needed was a big fry up and my bed. 
though, I don't know where we're up in the afternoon and like, what we're going to do. I can't go down to the pub. I've seen customers. We go down, it's full of all these West End, and it's like, no, no, I'll just sit here. So me and my mate Glenn watched it on the TV, and uh, he was a West Ham fan as well. Uh, he even ended up in tears, you know. I think, but everybody wanted us to win, you know. People were sick of Liverpool. They was just too good in them days. Liverpool were winning everything, and uh, people just wanted wanted them taken down a peg or two, and we managed to that night. Uh, never be forgotten. Never ever. That was. That was yeah, you know, was it was the best day of your life? You know, was it yeah. when your daughter was born, when you got married, or was it Anfield in '89? You know? <laughs> but it, it was just determination, sheer determination, of just battling all the way through that game. And yeah, a couple of moments of yeah, brilliance yeah. And, yeah. And, and Georgie Graham. Yeah, Georgie knew. George Graham knew, like you know, he said uh, he had it all planned out, and it went exactly to his plan. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, God cool, bless him. Yeah, yeah. And then nice you, one, and then Joel. Joined Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. don't know because we've talked about that last week with some friends. Just like, how did he end up at Tottenham? You know. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, a bit of a mystery, but you know, a bit of vengeance back on, on people who've done him over here. Maybe done him wrong. I don't know. I don't know. And then he kind of after. You'd have to ask George. It was Rioch after George Graham won it. He, Bruce, yeah, it yeah. Up, and yeah. He, he never really took off, did he? Bruce, don't know. He didn't do too bad. He got Dennis Burkamp, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah. <laughs> Burkamp was, was one of his. Uh, people say it was David Dean, but uh, yeah. Bruce and um, he got us back into Europe that year he was here and. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we uh, Bruce had a bit of a yeah. He got shafted a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. He was never an Arsenal man, you know. No. But then again, nor was uh, Arsene Bingo, who none of us had heard of. And it's like, uh, who's this guy, you know? Yeah. We soon found out. Yeah, and uh, so did the rest of the world. But that second team, because we did speak about earlier, that second team was one of the most frightening teams that I've ever seen. Because you had ten players with pace, they all had pace. And yeah. the, when they were running, because Ivy was quite a tight, small yeah. pitch, when you had the Arsenal running at you in full flight, it yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. just watching it was as a... As a, yeah. a, a, a neutral or a, and they, against and your team, it, it was just yeah. like. And you, and you said it, yeah, and they, and they was a team, they was, yeah. they was a unit, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, the the defence was like yeah. the, the ultimate unit, if you like, you yeah, know. Yeah. Best defence it's ever been, you know. Yeah. You, you just look at the numbers, yeah. you know, was it 18 goals they shipped one year? Yeah. And it was like, that's not going to happen again, is it? No. They were just too good, they were just too good. Uh, and, and built from the back, which was which was what George done like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, George, George left his defence there and, and, and he went through. Wenger took over, and then he he had that ready-made back five, and uh, built on that. And he did build on it, you know. Like you say, it was like 100 mile an hour stuff sometimes, you know. Ping, ping, ping. Where's this going? Like, you know, people just couldn't play us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I feel privileged to. I had my season ticket in them days over there, and I managed to go all through that period, all through that era. I didn't miss a game, you know, and it was um, just a fantastic thing to live through. You know, we were spoiled rotten. We were spoiled rotten. And it was, you know, it, was, it, was, it was a great team. Yeah. When did when did you and Binzi decide to uh, get together with uh, Riders of the Night? This was have been about 
don't know, 2010, 9 or 10 or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> it started off as totally, it all happened by accident. It was, uh, it turned out as a, um, I come up with this idea that I wanted to put an album together of um, different people from different clubs telling their stories about uh, about football in general. Like, you know, a bit of a social document, if you like, social history. Uh, but to uh, trip up backing music, right? You know. Yeah. So there's you've got more than one element going on. It's just not a narration. It's, it's, there's music going on there to build, uh, to evoke memory, to you know, just, to just put a background to it. So we tried to get that going, and uh, we got a track done, <laughs> Binsy, and found it incredibly hard getting other people to, um, to put themselves up for it. Okay. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. some people who would put themselves up for it just wasn't very good at narration or you know, uh, putting themselves across well. Uh, it kind of got rubbed off, but we, what we had come up with, we'd come up with a couple of tracks in that, in that genre, like uh, through Bins, and um, another fella, um, Lee Gooner, who told the story of the original Guna, you know, and we had Binsy doing a Midnight Patrol, which I don't you obviously have heard it, you know, uh, and thought, this is, you know, we've got to get this out anyway. So, uh, so what are we going to do? What do we do? We do another check, we just knock up, we knock up the punk number to, to uh, bang it on, we'll fill out a, a, a CD for a little. So we managed to get three tracks. Got them down on CD, got a load pressed up. I can't remember 5,000 pressed ups. That's a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. A, I think we, we got, got a good deal or something. Them on, uh, outside high, we quite. We was. So I was. I was around every pub in the in the vicinity before games and after. Yeah, outside yeah. the ground, in the ground. Yeah. Every, but they were selling like hotcakes. Yeah, yeah. It was like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, then then it became like you know that went down a storm, and then it became. Uh, when, when's your next gig? And it's like. I haven't yeah. thought about this. We haven't really got a band like you know. Yeah. We'd done the the, 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 the trip hop stuff. We'd done it in the studio with uh, our producer Brian, who's a fantastic geezer. All right, yeah, who's uh, helped us out immensely. But as, as far as a band, I mean, we got a, a band of sorts together to do this punk track that went on it. Eyes right. So we thought, okay. Um, Let's get a band together. Yeah, yeah. And we did. We managed to go out and get a few people. Funnily enough, the first gig we'd done, we, it wasn't really a gig. We'd done it to promote our second CD, which was called uh, Be Jesus Said Paddy, which I'd written with the help of um, Gary Lamin. Good old Gary. Good old Gary. Yeah, yes. like All right, Gary. He, he, uh, he helped us on that one with the music. Yeah. And uh, it's just a funny Gary story. But <laughs> We'd, uh, the first thing we'd done was up the rocket in Holloway Road, which is a big yeah, yeah. student place, yeah, you know, yeah. the massive yeah, no place up there. Yeah. They uh, they had it open up there for the bars and everything before the games. And we thought, we'll go and promote it up here. We had a word room, said, yeah, come and play. So we went up and we had a few numbers to play them. Uh, there was a game on, there was a game on before our game on the TV. I think Chelsea was playing somebody. And... Um, so half time of this game said, right, we go and do it because people are watching the football. Go and go and go and do your numbers in. So they rigged up a few mics. It was uh, it was me and Bins, uh, Gary on guitar, and and a banjo Mick. We had a banjo player on there as well. So we got up, done the numbers, went down, yeah, nice one, and everything. And he's like, 
well then they're not out for the second half yet so I just carry on like I said so Gary you've just brought uh, you've just done a, a song called Football why do you play that guy you know you know his football song so alright then yeah so he's, he's like oh, I'll have a go at that so he's gone on he started singing and all these he's playing away just started his song and all of a sudden everyone's boo boo He's, he's getting sticky. He's, he's look, he didn't realise behind him the TV was still on, and they was doing an interview with Ashley Cole and the te- who we just sold to Chelsea, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah, under yeah. <laughs> under funny circumstances, and and everybody's giving Ashley Cole. To, but Gary thought it was him they was booing. Like, you know, it wasn't that. <laughs> he was quite miffed at that. We was just laughing, much laugh. Gary thought everybody was after him, but but he wasn't. It was Ashley Cole behind him on the. T- TV they was booing like he thought what have I done wrong here <laughs> it was quite comical but uh, yeah and after that so we did get a band together uh, done our first gig of the Purple Turtle I mean that's it the video that I first saw the was on YouTube yeah. from the Purple Turtle yeah oh gosh yeah and uh, that's when you had Tony playing Tony Tony that was the first proper gig um, yeah Tony Feedback Tony Morrison Tony Perfect yeah 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 God bless you Tony He's uh, sadly missed, yeah. but um, yeah, he was a lovely fellow, Tony. Uh, that was a bit of a ramshackle bang. We got together as well, but went down a storm again. <laughs> went down a, we, you know, we, we we just kept everywhere we was going. We was going down a storm, and the, uh, all the all the venues we played at loved us because yeah. all our followers like we pull in a big following. Yeah, yeah. And all, all drinkers, <laughs> like you know. So it's can you come back next week? You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it, it just snowballed. It just snowballed, and it was like, it's, it's, it, an accident that got out of hand. We, we call it, you know. That's, that's how I see it, anyway. Just, uh, yeah, started by accident, got out of hand. But we've had some thoroughly enjoying times, moments, some uh, some shite ones. But it uh, doesn't every band, you know. That's life. Yeah, you know. That's so life. in the current lineup there. The current lineup. Let's think. We've got. Um, is the ever presence Binzi and myself yeah. uh, on bass? We've got John Woodward, yeah. who's um, he was in the upstart. He was the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, the last lineup of the upstarts. The gonads, the gonads, uh, long tall shorty yeah. with Tony. He's in another band at the moment as well. In a three-piece band, uh, Vicious Love. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, uh, all of whom have played with the Riders. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, the drummer of Vicious Love is now playing for the right with the Riders as well. Okay. So we've got two thirds of the of the Vicious Love, and uh, yeah, Billy Billy, the singer guitarist, he, he done a gig with us as well. He's a lovely lovely fella. But uh, Vicious Love, yeah, go and check them out as well if you get a chance. They're they're good. Uh, who else we've got in the band? So there's Paul the drummer, who's also in the Going Edge. And uh, Mark Delgadice is a lead guitarist. Okay. He's a local lad, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're all Arsenal except for except for John. But, you know, it's, we have a thing with bass players. Yeah, we've never been able to find an Arsenal bass player. The like, one before him was Millwall, Ricky. <laughs> but now we yeah we go through a lot of over the years we've gone through a lot of personnel. Yeah. But. Uh, What's yeah, the strategy then? Do you, do you play on match days? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. It's difficult um, doing it. It's, it's, we love doing match days. Uh, 
following so good as well. Like, you know? But it's also nice to play gigs that aren't football orientated, like, you know. So something we kind of do two two different sorts of gigs, like, you know. They do the football ones where you keep the, keep uh, everybody happy and keep keeps ourselves happy. It's party time, you know. Yeah, yeah. Football gigs is party time. Yeah. And uh, always good fun, never a dull moment. Uh, yeah, just love doing it, you know. And we're doing a gig here at the last game of the season, and you know, the way that things are going at the moment, I don't know when this is going to go out, whether it will be, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here or predict anything. But, uh, you know, if things do go our way, that should be quite, quite, a, quite a gig. I mean, for, for a couple of years, a lot of my Arsenal mates have been Arteta out, Arteta out. Yeah. But this season, he's moulded them into a team that's been competitive, and yeah. you know, it, it's good oh, yeah. to watch them play. You know, because they're playing together and the football's it's, good. I'd say people are Arteta out is a bit, yeah, a bit far fetched. I think it's like you, he's only been here. Well, this is his third year, yeah. And I always said, whoever you put in a job, it's going to take them three years to sort out the, the, the mess that was left behind from the previous thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. which he's managed to do now you know yeah. he's, uh, there's only a couple left from when he took over yeah. playing uh, as regulars in the team yeah. and he's turned it around and he, you're thinking he's, sti- he's still really only the apprentice manager Arteta yeah. this is his first gig as a manager yeah. you know yeah. and uh, yeah three years he's doing alright you know top of the table uh, nobody really expected us to be up there up, or, or even thereabouts anything like this no. at the beginning of the season no. we'd, have, we'd have taken your hands off for that at the beginning of the season and um, you know if it doesn't happen this year it's got a young team young squad build on that and see how we go the next season like you know and that'll soon be around again you know that's one of the things with football isn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the next we are getting, we are, sorry we are getting a bit busier here we so, are now uh, monkey <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> thank you very much for your time <laughs> no not at all now overrun with uh, Arsenal yeah they're starting to fill up a bit now and uh, getting get the early ones in thank but you. no thank you thank you enjoyed it yeah, yeah. good health my friends good health thank everyone you. take care